This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome in. Good morning. It is time for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. I am Jay White, and I am joined this morning by Jeremy Thompson and Wilts Cotrere. It's been a couple of weeks since uh, we were in the studio. Uh, we had uh, a week off, and then there was some hearings or something, <clears throat> excuse me, last week. So uh, first time back in the studio for everybody in a couple of weeks, and it's good. I'm your host, Jay White, uh, with Jeremy Thompson, owner of Computer Doctors and Phone Surgeons in Hattiesburg, and Wilts Cotrere, an IT expert at Newcore Steel, an IT instructor at Holmes Community College. Everyday Tech is MPB Think Radio's show about consumer technology and your very own personal IT department, all wrapped up into one convenient package. Jeremy, I'll help you fix it, and Wilts can help you keep it safe, and both can do either well. So either way, you're in good hands. We want to hear from you this morning. Got any tech problems, questions, issues? If you have a story or experience to share or want to update us on uh, something that you've previously called us about, call us this morning, 877-MPB-RING. It's 877-672-7464. Or email us, everydaytech at mpbonline.org. Plenty of things to get into today, including uh, something that uh, Jeremy uh, immediately told me that he wanted to talk about. And it's, it's funny because we talked about we had a show basically dedicated to um, the right to repair issue, uh, which is something that uh, the current White House administration has uh, taken as uh, one of its uh, issues that it wants to address, uh, one of its policies. Uh, And almost immediately after the last show we did, Apple has announced kind of a, I don't know, on the on its face, it seems like a change, of course. And I don't want to be a, pessim- a pessimist, but anything that tech companies do, it seems like there's always, I don't know, I don't, I don't trust, don't trust nobody. I heard somebody say one time. Um, so I don't know. I want to know. It's a competing radio show. <laughs> right, right. I want to know what uh, Jeremy and Wilts think about uh, Apple's new self-service repair program that they named almost immediately after we came off the air last time. And we haven't had a chance to really dig back into it and talk about it. So that's uh, one of the things that uh, we can talk about today. There are plenty of other headlines to get into, uh, including a hacker named Bowser being caught for hacking Nintendo. There's irony all over the place here. He's got to pay millions of dollars back to them. Uh, The world's first 3D printed prosthetic eye has been put into use. That is wild. Uh, And that's not a surprising uh, a story at all, but it is interesting to think about. Um, there's plenty of things, including a story that tells me that Amazon and Target play an outsized role in port congestion and pollution. Uh, the Amazon part of that does not surprise me at all. Target? I don't know. That is that is interesting to me. Uh, and also, um, amongst the other stories, uh, Samsung merging mobile and customer electronics division. They replaced all their 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 uh, division leaders and CEOs and stuff like that. So there's a lot going on at Samsung right now, a lot of restructuring. And I didn't, I wouldn't have necessarily thought that Samsung would have had to be in a position where they would do that. And uh, Twitter's got a new CEO and he's already begun a major reorganization. So there's lots going on in the tech world. But first, let's talk to the guys for the first time in a while. Uh, Wilts, good morning. How are things going, man? What's going on? Oh, man, going pretty good. I've just been... uh 
man, neck deep in all of these scam alerts that are going around. With the holidays uh, in full effect. The the scammers are just having a field day out there. What's the uh, what's the biggest uh, way that they go about doing it at this at this time of year? Well, one of the big things, and I threw it up on the Everyday Tech uh, Facebook page this week, but one of the big things going on is, you know, a lot of us are ordering a lot of our things online. A lot of uh, a lot of holiday shopping has has moved digital, and so what's happening is there's a lot of scam delivery alert fake messages popping on up and i mean i've heard this from people getting them in the email i've heard from people getting them in their text messages and what they are is they're you know i mean how many how many of us get like you know i call it amazon amnesia it's like oh did i order something is something supposed to be coming yeah and we end up clicking that link and there's like well we just need to verify your information and what you're verifying is you're verifying to the fraudster and they're just stealing your info right then and there um you know, they're kind of counting on the fact that everyone's everyone's over ordering and getting notices, and um, yeah, they're really jumping in on that. So you got to really watch out for that one. Another one has been, um, you know, same thing with phone calls. Like, oh, we're, we're trying to locate your, you know, your location and and these things. So you know, just a reminder to everyone: um, criminals like the holidays too. So so be careful and make sure. If anyone's asking for your information, don't just uh, don't just give it away. Uh, the the person you ordered from, that uh, you know, be it Amazon or hopefully a, a smaller mom and pop local store in those locations, they don't need your information. They already have it. So so don't give up that info. Yeah, that is interesting. I I, I would have thought that uh, at this day and age, you know, we have you know Black Friday and then we have Cyber Monday on top of that. But Black Friday. Well, that used to be one day, specifically when it was a brick-and-mortar store thing. That was one thing. But it seems like now it's more spread out over several days. It's almost like a season now. And there are so many deals going on, specifically online at all these different retailers, that uh, I'm surprised that a lot of it isn't you know, deals offered out there that trap unsuspecting customers into going down the wrong direction to try to find some of these deals on different things and stuff like that, especially... If you've got a product like, say, the PlayStation 5 that nobody can get a hold of and it can't stay in stock anywhere, and, and that I'm surprised that's not you know, something that is a, a really big deal right now. And I'm not certain that it isn't to some extent, but that's, that, that's one thing that I know I was looking out for sure. Oh, you hear all kinds of scams like on the Ebays and everything else, people ordering things and you're not getting what you're ordering and, you know, or... Well, for that matter, I mean, I've been seeing it too. Facebook Marketplace. You know, the bottom line is, is that if something seems too good to be true, a, it probably is. Um, people are not giving these things away, and you, you just gotta really be careful. I mean, people can hide behind that keyboard, and they do a really good job. Um, you know, another thing with, you know, bowl games upon us. I've been seeing it both from my, uh, you know, Ole Miss Hotty Toddy, by the way, and Mississippi <laughs> State fans, but people, you know, selling scam tickets and, and them not getting the tickets for these bowl games coming up. I mean, you know, hey, how cool is that? Both of our big Mississippi teams are going to a bowl, but people are taking advantage of that, too, and they're using online resources to do it. And so, um, you know, it, it, it's kind of sad and it's kind of infuriating, but it's definitely happening. Now, that one I was almost... Uh, I don't know, maybe surprised. I don't know if I should be surprised by any of it, but that's surprising to me to a certain extent that people would go that far or I, I, I don't know, not go that far. That's not the way I want to frame that, that there would be enough money in that <laughs> that would be worth the trouble. I don't know. Um, I mean, what? Scamming uh, college football fans out of bowl tickets. About, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, but, I mean, they're going for about a hundred bucks or so. You sell four of those or you air quotes sell four of those and you sell air quotes four of those to you know 10 people and all of a sudden you're looking at, at quite a bit of money yeah and i mean i'm seeing in every one of like you know the the fan page you know the fan groups that i'm seeing that people are you know, going hey watch out for this person i ordered and i never got i mean i was seeing it all through the season but it's really really amped up now with the uh with the bowl games upon us so yeah I know I, it's interesting. I, I I'm not necessarily a concert goer often, um, mm-hmm. but I did stumble upon the fact that uh, that Billy Joel is playing a concert in Orlando next year. I think in March or something like that. 
he's playing a good concert to go to. Yeah, that'd be worth the road trip. Right, right. Now he's playing in the Citrus Bowl, which is a big football stadium, and I think to get in the door, the cheapest ticket is forty five dollars. But yeah, uh, you know, as it were with these two guys, anytime you see something about Billy Joel, there's going to be like links to follow for Elton John. And uh, I clicked on him because I thought that he was on his like farewell tour. I thought he was done touring, maybe like for the ninth or tenth time in his career. But no, he's got concerts through like next July or something like that. But he's playing at the New Orleans Arena in in January. And I'm like, oh, man, that's not far at all to drive to see, like, a bucket list concert. Yeah. Clicked on the link and to, like, get in the back row, the tippy top of the back of the building, it's like $450. I was like, holy cow. (laughs) I don't think I want to see anybody but Elvis, alive or dead, for $450. But, uh Boy, you talk about for sale too. You could probably get that, right? Your Elvis is going to be in Memphis this Christmas. Yeah, yeah. But you talk about like I, I bet scammers could, and I bet they do. For big acts like that, I bet they have to do their best to try to, uh, you know, cut those uh, scammers off at the pass, especially for. Uh, you know, stars as big as a guy like Elton John, if he's playing not uh, not stadiums but arena shows, I bet the the demand for tickets and like that is worldwide crazy and he's got to block people from trying to do that all or his people not him personally i can't see elton john on a computer trying to block anyway but yeah I've, i'm sure that's something they have to try to follow all the time oh yeah all right jeremy what's going on man how have things been going at the shop i know you had a bunch of people on campus uh uh last friday all the state uh, football championship games were down at southern miss so a bunch of people were uh, basically right right next to your uh, back door there yeah, uh, it is finals week, so it's been pretty crazy. Uh, a lot of uh, emergency device repairs and uh, foam repairs and whatnot. Um, I do probably, I'd say at least one or two MacBook screens um, a week now uh, from the, the newer style 2017 up to 2020. Um, I think it's because they're putting weaker screens in these things because it takes almost nothing to bust them. Mm. And that includes just opening one up and using it like normal, uh, which is a real shame that that's not uh, covered under uh, an extended warranty or something. Um, I have had some some fun repairs come across my bench, Um, some stuff that I said I was going to stop doing. (laughs) And I think I finally encountered the one where I, I'm going to follow through and I'm going to stop doing this. I fix a lot of structural damage on laptops. You know, students put them in their bag, they drop it, bump it around all day long. Eventually, the hinges start breaking either on the screen or on the body of the laptop itself. And that is a really, really involved repair. And um, I was doing a top cover replacement for a student uh, which is uh, like if you were to close your laptop and just pat the, the top of it there, that's the top cover. And that has a bunch of uh, little uh, standoffs in it, which are what you put your screws in. And uh, they break out really easily. Well, while I was doing the uh, replacement and I was pulling the adhesive to get her screen out, the screen just went like crazy on me and started um, started having all kinds of crazy colors and stuff. It looked like there was a weak spot in the screen from being dropped so much like i said this thing is pretty beat up but as i uh, as i removed the adhesive the uh, the screen just went dead on me so i had to contact her and say hey um we went from bad to worse and now we got to get a screen so if i do these structural repairs in the future it will have to involve replacing the screen too because the margin of error is just so high and screens are so thin and so unforgiving these days. If you look at them wrong or if you breathe on them, uh, they pretty much break. So it's uh, it's tough to be doing this, and it's, it's tough to tell people, like, hey, you know, stuff does break sometimes when you take it apart. It's unfortunately just part of the job. It doesn't happen often, but it does happen. Well, I didn't think about it, but that's, uh, you know, that's a difference between a mechanic and a body shop, right? You're doing both of those jobs. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, like I said, uh, I don't think I'm going to do very many of these anymore because they're always pretty disappointing. And by the time a student's laptop gets to me, it's all dinged up on the bottom and the corners and the sides, and it's just 
it, it can be really difficult to manage these repairs sometimes. So this is my official declaration of being done with these types of repairs. I'm going to have a big smile on my face the next time I refuse one and say, I'm sorry, I don't fix that. <laughs> All right. Well, there you are, folks. Uh, just a just a repair shop, not a body shop anymore. Uh, the the, uh, the the shop down in Hattiesburg. There. Let's take our first break here, and when we come back, we're going to wind Jeremy up and let him go on the continuation of this story about Apple, and it's now uh, it's self called uh, self service repair program. Uh, and I don't know if this is like a direct response to the uh, right to repair crowd. We'll let Jeremy talk about that. Uh, and we'll take your calls and questions as well. 877-MPB-RING, 877-672-7464. With Wilts and Jeremy, I'm Jay. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back in. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. With Jeremy and Wiltz, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening this morning. As you heard, we'll take your calls, 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. And you can email us, everydaytech at mpbonline.org. All right, Jeremy, without any further delay, let's get into Apple's response. Uh, I'm taking it as their response to uh, the right to repair stuff. It's their new self-service repair program that they have uh, introduced. And I'm uh, reading the subtitle here from The Verge of an article, Repairs Could Become More Affordable for Both DIYers and Independent Repair Shops. Well, looky here, we have the owner of an independent repair shop with us now. So, Jeremy, tell me what you think about this. Okay, well, first off, um, I I want to remind everybody that I've, I've never been a big fan of Apple and their business practices over the last decade have uh, tried to put me out of business. So it's relieving to know that getting on uh, a radio station as prestigious as Mississippi Public Broadcasting and standing on my soapbox has brought about real change in the right to repair world. It wasn't iFixit.com. It wasn't all the legislation. It was us, guys. We did it. I mean, we it was one. It was almost immediate. Roll over. Right. <laughs> That's right. We made Apple roll over single-handedly. Okay, all jokes aside, this is awesome. Um, I'm, I'm always skeptical because, like you said, Apple seems to always have some sort of nefarious idea behind it. But this is great. This is great for home users. This is great for people that want to get into these repairs because this is not just Apple providing us parts for the repairs. Apple's actually going to make sure that you know what you're doing before you get access to the parts. So you have to read through the manual, which, again, that's an amazing thing that Apple is going to be giving over the service manuals to these devices. So starting with the iPhone 12 and 13, and then later uh, next year, um, they'll start doing MacBooks and stuff like that. Um, They're going to allow us to purchase our own parts directly from them. This is... I, I, I honestly, I never expected that Apple would do something like this because they love having that draconian hold over what happens to their machines, what happens to their parts. But 
what does this mean? Well, I don't know exactly because there's still going to be um, some uh, what I assume to be extreme costs associated with replacement parts. But replacement parts for Macs and iPhones are already expensive, even on a third-party market. So since Apple's the one who makes the parts, I sincerely hope that this means that this will just allow us to purchase the parts directly from them and not have to worry about people scalping parts on eBay and in uh, various parts suppliers and however you happen to go about getting them. I mean, for the longest time, the only way that I could replace a screen on a MacBook Air or Pro or whatever was to get a screen from another MacBook Air or Pro that someone had parted out or put up for sale uh, to put on that MacBook. Well, now I won't have to go through those weird channels. Hopefully, I'll be able to go through Apple. Another really cool thing that they're doing is they're going to allow you to send back your old part and get credit for the old part. Now, that right there is really cool, and I think that's really the uh, the motivation behind this is because right now, parts are in short supply. So if Apple can set up a nice way to guarantee that all the parts come back to them, they can continue to run their business and refurb these parts and keep the machine going. But right now, if you've read anything about Apple, even Apple is struggling to keep up with demand, and they've cut back on their uh, their uh, orders for this year, and they've actually sent some people home from the factories. I didn't even know Apple did that. Um, they sent people home from the factories because there's just simply not enough parts to build all the iPads, MacBooks, and things that they need to put together. Yeah. So this seems like a good business idea on Apple's part. It almost seems it's just so out of Apple's character. It 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 waxes of desperation. It really does. Like like they're like, oh gosh, what are we going to do? We don't have all the parts that we need. Well, let's set up a program where we can get people to you know send the old part back in, and we'll give them a new part, and we'll give them all the directions on how to do it. I love that they're doing this. It may not be. The, the motivation may be maybe differently than what I'm saying because I'm always going to assume uh, a big tech company like Apple's got got you know their bottom line in mind because that's what they've shown us for the last ten years. But this is a great step in the right direction, and I'm excited about this. Um, there is a, a, a belief in in my heart that this will drive more repairs to my shop. Because people will go online and they'll see these guides and they'll go, you know what? I looked up the guide. I was going to get the part from Apple, but I just don't feel like I can do this. Because these repairs are still tough. I mean, if you've never repaired a phone before, you're not going to want to start with the iPhone 12 or 13. Not that you can't. Not that you won't. But just that, you know, if, if that's your first phone to start with, then you've got quite a learning curve ahead of you. Because... From the iPhone 4 to now, I've learned what not to do with Apple products. But with their guides, I hope that they'll give people the, the, the information that they need to keep from making those mistakes. This is also really cool because uh, we have a lot of security-enabled devices with Touch ID, which we will now be able to replace parts on. Now, I have no idea how they're going to go about re-encoding these parts to the phone, but they're Apple, and they'll figure it out. But right now, for example, if you have an iPhone 10, 10R, 11, 12, 13, whatever, and uh, you take it in for service, and the person that replaces the, uh, the screen or the sensors at the top, if that sensor, something goes wrong with it, if it breaks or if it has to be replaced, you have to kiss your face ID goodbye forever because it is coded to the phone it requires that particular device and that cable in order to allow Face ID to operate. So just earlier this week, I had to tell a client of mine, hey, your sensor at the top stopped working. I can replace the sensor, but I can't fix your Face ID. So it's broken for good. Well, now I may not have to tell people that anymore, which is pretty exciting. So I'm still curious what kind of hoops Apple's going to make dude like me jump through in order to get this type of thing done, or even just the average home user to get it done, because I assume they'll treat a company a little bit differently than they'll treat an individual. However, I am an individual in a company, so I think I might be able to pull that one off. Now, bigger companies, I don't know exactly if this is going to uh, allow them to operate in this sphere. I, I, I don't know. There's a lot of unanswered questions, but starting in 2022, Apple will allow 
home users to do their own self repairs. I never thought those words would come out of my mouth. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm with you. And again, not, not to pile on Apple specifically, or not even the big tech companies. But I mean, this is I mean, this is corporate culture in America that you know nothing is going to be done fully in the best interests of the greater common good. There's always going to be some... (laughs) Right. There's always going to be some bottom line motivation behind anything. But on its face, it doesn't necessarily look like this. But I I didn't think of, you know, what you mentioned as this is a way that they can, you know, almost create a new um, line of of refurbished parts that they can turn back around uh, since... Evidently, Amazon and Target are the ones blocking up all the uh, all the seaports and everything, and nobody can get parts for anything right now. But this is interesting. And so, before this was announced, you were uh, you had had kind of a, a longstanding policy where you just you know you weren't going to mess with Apple products because it was too, and for some of the reasons that you just went through right there, it was too risky for you as an independent business owner to even try to do right. Correct. Um, every year I have had to figure out which devices I will no longer be able to fix uh, because of Apple changing things. And, you know, I've got clients that even ask me, like, hey, if, if uh, you replace the screen on my MacBook, is it going to continue to work or does it have to have some special software to set it up? And I'm sitting there thinking, where did they read this? I mean, I, I read about this, but how did they know about this? And so I have to assure people, like, well, no, Apple hasn't started doing anything like that yet. So, yes, I can still replace the screen on your MacBook, whether it's a 2017, 2015, 2020, or 2021. Um, but there's always been that that mystery to me, like, how long will I be able to do this before they push the button on that and make that change to where I can no longer do that job? Well, very interesting. I, I'm... I'm interested to see how it plays out i'm also interested to see how the 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 not necessarily the public but the the tech news world uh the the folks that you know report tech news and things like that different websites and blogs and podcasts things like that how they continue to interpret this over time i mean everybody has their take about the announcement of it but as it is implemented i I would like to see how they interpret that uh that implementation uh, going and see how it uh, unfolds in uh, over the next year or so. I, I know this, you did make a good point that this is good for independent shop owners because as a guy, me personally, 22-year-old Jay would love to pull stuff apart and see if he can fix it. 42-year-old Jay pulls stuff apart and as soon as he sees like a circuit board, I'm like, nah. Nah, I don't want to break that. <laughs> so I'll just take out pay to, for somebody right. else to do that. And I don't even, like you said, I don't know, like, sure, there are going to be some folks that really want to dig into that. But I think a lot, this is going to open up a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, r- routes of business and repair for independent shops and things like that. We'll take a break here. There we was c- one other oh, go thing ahead. that I thought about. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, well, I was just thinking that... Um, what this will also do is dry up the third party part market because if people are not taking those parts and putting them online to sell and they're sending them back to Apple, that's going to make a one channel uh, operation where you have to go through them to get the parts unless people are disincentivized because they aren't getting enough of a discount on the old part. It's, it's tricky. It's like I, I want to believe, like, hey, this is a good thing, but I just feel like they, you know, they sat in some boardrooms and they they put their heads together and they were like, how can we get our parts back and get more of them off the third party markets? Because you know, a couple of years ago, they made a deal with Amazon where only Apple could sell Apple products on Amazon, and that cut a whole lot of people out of business on Amazon that used to sell used Mac iPhones and all kinds of stuff that they're no longer allowed to sell because of a backdoor deal with Apple and Amazon. Very interesting. All right, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to get to the phones and uh, we'll take your calls. 877-MPB-RING, 877-672-7464. 
This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We'll be right back. This is an MVB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is MPB Think Radio. back. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio with Wilkes and Jeremy. I'm Jay. Thanks so much for listening this morning. 877-MPB-RING is the number. 877-672-7464. Let's go right to it. We have Alan who is in Brandon. Alan, thanks for calling this morning. What's going on? Hey, Jay, Jeremy, and Will. Yeah, just to follow up on that, that Apple DIY repair thing, I didn't hear y'all mention, is that going to include like user replacement of batteries since... Uh, that, that's something that's been unavailable for the longest time, and uh, uh, I, iPhones batteries go out after after a while. So uh, I was just curious. They uh, they mentioned quite a few parts. Um, I think they said at least sixty parts would be available. So I'm assuming that's going to include a battery. But it's funny because right. you know in all their right to repair arguments. One of their claims was that letting users replace their own batteries was a hazard to their health. So I'm curious to see, you know, how they how they present that as well. But I'm sure that it will include batteries. Batteries are actually pretty pretty easy to remove from iPhones if you know how to do it. Okay. So since they're yeah. going to include the manuals and everything, I would assume that they can safely assure that their users will be able to remove the battery without any risk to their health. And, and, and one, one, one other thing, I, I, I didn't hear y'all mention anything. I, I don't know if y'all use Amazon Echoes or not. I know some people are, are, are fundamentally opposed to them, but they had a big outage in their network yesterday. I mean, you tried to get your Echo to do stuff, and it wasn't working. So <laughs> I, I was just curious. I, I hadn't seen much said about that. But uh, uh, it, it, it's, when you get dependent on that stuff, you know, you know, I'm visually impaired, so, you know, I – you know, I, I get a lot of information from Echo. It's just fast. Yeah. Uh, she, she wasn't having any yesterday. <laughs> but, 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 you know, uh, we all get used to technology. I do know that. Here, so, you know. Yeah. I, I do know that I've gotten some emails uh, regarding some other services that I use saying that there were some issues with AWS, Amazon Web Services. So it's probably connected uh, to that. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah. But, yeah. Games went down yesterday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once you use this stuff or any time, you learn. Sometimes you just got to sit back and give them time to fix the stuff. I mean, I mean, we've all dealt with technology failure, and we'll continue to deal with it more and more as it becomes more prevalent. So, but anyway, okay, well, uh, happy holidays, you guys. Uh, you know, I enjoy the program. I hope you all have a great season if you're traveling. So be safe. Take care. All right, Alan, we appreciate the call from Brandon this morning. All right, fellas, how about this? Um According to a report, Amazon and Target play an outsized role in port congestion and pollution report finds. Uh, Now, this is interesting because um, I don't know, is there anybody whose life has not, and when I say life, I mean, you know, not something that's super important, although it can be, but in some way or another, has has anyone not been impacted to some small extent by some lack of services or lack of products but you know because of everything that's going on right now i don't i don't know that almost 
almost everybody has to have been affected in some sort of way or another. If it's just something as simple as going to your favorite restaurant and something that they normally have is not on the menu right now or, you know, something that you like to get at the store. Let's say when you go to the grocery store or whatever, the supermarket, something that you normally get all of a sudden is not there. I know a lot of products that people love to buy or you know, food, snacks, things like that are not being made right now. Uh, but this has an impact on almost everybody's life to some certain extent or another. So uh, not just the supply chain thing, but it says here Amazon and Target are playing a big role in port, uh, the port pollution crisis along the U.S. West Coast. Uh, the retail giants are among the top importers in the U.S. and rely heavily on shipping routes between China and California. Communities near the ports of Long Beach and Los Angeles have some of the worst air quality in the nation, thanks in large part to Americans' shopping habits. Online shopping, which increased during the pandemic, has made the situation worse. So the supply chain crisis that's caused traffic jams just offshore of the twin ports, again, that's L.A. and Long Beach, which make up the busiest port complex in the Western Hemisphere. Amazon and Target have an outsized impact on port congestion and pollution because they send most of their goods through these ports. The two companies, quote, are directly responsible for harming these communities, says the report by nonprofit environmental groups Pacific Environment and, and Stand.Earth. It is past time to hold these retailers accountable for their responsibilities at the ports. Uh, it's according to a campaign lead at Pacific Environment. Both companies will continue to favor West Coast routes, which means they'll also keep clogging West Coast ports, spewing cancer-causing emissions and threatening our climate future. Uh, the report looked at ship emissions from four major retailers, Amazon, Target, Walmart, and Ikea, Together, the four retail giants imports were responsible for 20 million metric tons of carbon dioxide uh, equivalent emissions from marine shipping alone between 2018 and 2020. That's about as much uh, planet heating pollution as five coal-fired power plants would produce in a year. Uh, the report gathered information about shipments from the U.S. Vessel uh, Manifest data and used emissions estimates from the Journal of Commerce. Although the report focused on the climate impact of retailer shipping emissions, the heavy fuel oil that container ships burn also releases pollutants that form smog and degrade air quality. Pollution from maritime shipping was linked to 60,000 premature deaths in 2015 internationally, according to earlier research. Since about 90% of world trade moves by ship, nearly all of the items we buy, whether they're clothes or gadgets or home goods or cars, are part of the problem. So uh, the biggest share of emissions studied in the new report, 21% of pollution between 2018 and 2020 was released along shipping routes between China and either Southern California or Washington State. Uh, the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach typically take in about 40% of shipping containers entering the country from abroad. The pandemic has made these ports and others even more congested. So, guys, I don't know what you think about this. I don't necessarily, I mean, it's, it's a shipping route. And the fastest route into the United States from China is the West Coast. So, I, I mean, do you, and I can't believe I'm about to go down this route. Do you hold companies responsible for using the closest and fastest transportation route for something? You know, I mean, they're like, oh, well, this is, you know, we have all this pollution going on the West Coast now, and we've we've got ships backed up uh, in Los Angeles and Long Beach and in Washington State because these companies that keep selling all these products that get them from China keep clogging up these ports. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, did you want, <laughs> did you want, a ship full of Amazon products leaving China to sail around, you know, and go through the go through the Panama Canal and sail over to like New York or something like that. I mean, that's you want to go half, you want to go the other direction. You want to go halfway, or three quarters of the way around the world just so they can avoid Los Angeles or Long Beach. I don't know that I necessarily can hold the companies. Maybe something's wrong beside the route. Maybe maybe the thing that's wrong is when you get to the port and why the ports can't get cleared out fast enough anymore or something like that. Or, or maybe, I don't know, maybe the, the whole infrastructure setup 
is not built to handle the amount of goods that we're buying as fast as we're buying them. Uh, and this is just me thinking out. This is a stream of consciousness, Jay, now. But I don't know that I can hold even these big tech companies that we repeatedly talk about stories every single week about how they're in it for them and their investors and their 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 stock and stakeholders and they're not in it for the people and they're just making money. I, even though we talk about that seemingly every single week with new stories, I don't know that I can necessarily hold these companies responsible for this. No, I mean, it's, it's worked for weird. years. What's changed? What'd you say, Wilts? It's, it, it's yeah. weird because it's like, okay, if, if we do reroute them to another port, doesn't that just push the problem to the other port? <laughs> right. I, I, I don't know enough about push your price stuff. up about four to, four to five times. Right. right. So it's like, I, I get, like, the message here. Yeah, uh, commerce bad, but, like, I mean... What are you supposed to do? Amazon's not going to stop selling products, and people aren't going to stop buying products on Amazon just because of something like this. Yeah, I don't mean to seem apathetic about it. It's not that I don't care. It's just that, like, well, what's the what's the solution here other than just throwing these companies under the bus? What's the actual fix? Right. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's a the company getting the product out problem. It sounds like we have a receiver problem. My what? thing is, it's yeah. worked for years and years and years and years. But what has changed? Have have policies changed? Have politics changed? Has infrastructure changed? Has the way that we're receiving goods changed? So I think we got to look a little bit more than just you know the guy who's trying to get the product. I mean, it's, it's kind of like you know, do I do I blame Amazon because? The post office still hasn't gotten me my information. Do I blame, you know, uh, Disney? I'm going to Disney next week, and I'm um, tickets were shipped to me two months ago. Luckily, I got a replacement shipment for them, but FedEx still has not in two months managed to get a package to me. Is that Disney's fault? Right. It doesn't sound like Disney's fault to me. It sounds like they're probably in that ditch over there in Alabama where all those FedEx packages were found. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, so I, I think we get onto this role of we want to blame someone, but we, we want to blame who's easy instead of looking at what's changed. So, well, and, and another thing, you 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 touched on something right there, Wilts, and and trying to stay as apolitical as I can about it. I think we have a situation where more people are. We have a ton of people who are not working right now, and. We have a ton of people who are at home, and whether or not they have the disposable income to do so, people are still buying stuff. And the easiest way to buy stuff is, you know, online retailers. And so we have less people working, so we have we have less people in the chain of, uh, you know, moving stuff around the world, and we have more stuff being bought to be moved. Uh, and, I mean, that's just a really sim- simplified way of looking at it, but, I mean, that's seems to be a lot of the issue right now so we have a lot of these ships sitting out at port and uh it's uh not good for los angeles and long beach right now i don't mean to laugh it's not funny but uh yeah it's very interesting let's go to the phones we have uh rover in vegas who's uh waiting for us now rover what's going on oh not much um on on the right to repair uh, we'll Apple maintain a 10-year supply because, okay, your washer, your dryer, refrigerator, when you buy it new, uh, according to federal law, you have to have a 10-year supply for repairs. Are they going to maintain that or are they going to say after two years, uh, sorry, we no longer make the part, and if so, can we use third-party parts? That's a really good question. Well, I think I, right now I Apple. I mean, I could send an I could send an iPhone 6s back right now, and get parts repaired onto it to Apple. I think they're I think they're still I think the 6s is still being supported, and that's Lord, how many years back is that one? Um, I, mean, um, I think as a company, they still will maintain the parts that they use. So I would hope that that would flow over into what they're going to supply. For us out here, in theory, 
hypothetical. You know, now, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I do not own any Apple products. I, you know, <clears throat> partly one, the price, and this is back in the uh, Apple IIe days. You know, the price that they wanted for a computer um, back in 83 was astronomical. <laughs> You know, the first computer for, I learned how to work on. That's the first computer I programmed on. I I was lucky enough to play with uh, college computers. You know the big mainframes. Mm-hmm. You know for programming. So, but uh, that that's what I you know I'd say you know as far as you know Apple you know uh, how how big of a supply part are they going to maintain um with uh fedex as an example uh we had a little situation uh here in las vegas it was we had some items that were going to come to our house and get put on the truck for delivery and then taken back to the warehouse and for various reasons and one of them was weather related well during that entire week we had temperatures in the lower to mid 70s you know no rain no snow no sleet or anything like that you know and it took them you know we ended up calling them one day and they finally brought it out to us uh, a day later uh, so it sounds like yeah, until so. you called them, they were like, hmm, I guess we'll uh, find this and uh, take it to him. Well, you know, our, our place is easy to find, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah but, that, you know, I think part of that was, you know, the driver didn't want to deliver. You know, uh, he's got a job and he's going to say, what are they going to do, fire me? You know, if I don't deliver it. <laughs> well, he uh, may, he Rover, we appreciate the call from Vegas. He may have that leverage right now. I don't know. Uh, I mean, typically, I think there's a huge uh, demand for those driver spots normally, especially like right now during the holidays. But I think maybe that's not the case this year, which is very interesting. Wilts, you mentioned that ditch in Alabama where they found all those packages. That reminded me that we've got this story about uh, uh, the uh, contentious uh, union election that was uh, that has been battled about at the uh, Amazon plant in uh, our fulfillment center, I should say. That's what they like to call them in uh, Bessemer, Alabama. Uh, that was uh, back in April. According to Politico, uh, a person with the National Labor Relations Board, uh, who's the Region 10 director, Lisa Henderson, has ordered the uh, e-commerce giant Amazon to hold another vote mostly due to the fact that Amazon installed a U.S. Postal Service mailbox in front of the warehouse to collect ballots. The election results were 1798 to 738, with workers voting against joining the retail, wholesale, and department department store union, the old RWDSU, after those results came out. The RWDSU filed 23 objections, accusing the company of interfering with the elections. One of those complaints pointed out that Amazon installed the ballot box without approval from the NLRB and in view of security cameras that made workers feel that they were under surveillance, specifically when submitting their ballots. The Labor Relations Board sided with the union and found that Amazon interfered with the election by installing the mailbox and offering employees anti-union badges and signs. Uh, Henderson wrote in the documents ordering a new election by causing the Postal Service to install a cluster mailbox unit, communicating and encouraging employees to cast their ballots using the mailbox, wrapping the mailbox with its slogan and placing the mailbox at a location where employees could easily or reasonably believe they were being uh, surveilled. The employer 
engaged in objectionable conduct that warrants setting aside the election. The employer's flagrant disregard for the board's typical mail ballot procedure compromised the authority of the board and made a free and fair election impossible. Amazon, of course, criticized the NLRB's decision in a statement sent to the Washington Post. Their spokesperson, Kelly Nantel, said in a statement, our employees have always had the choice of whether or not to join a union, and they overwhelmingly chose not to join the RWDSU earlier this year. It's disappointing that the NLRB has now decided that those votes shouldn't count. I will say this. Um, uh, John Oliver uh, recently did a story about labor unions and these votes and some of these mega companies and and to what lengths they go, again, trying to stay apolitical about it, just the fact uh, how far that these huge corporations go to keep their, their, their plants and fulfillment centers, as they might be, to not unionize how far they go and to what lengths and what things they do to try to keep uh, and we've had issues like this at the Nissan plant in Mississippi and Canton and uh, all sorts of stuff uh, in Mississippi with very similar situations just like this. It's uh, if you search on YouTube, John Oliver and unions, you'll find it. It's uh, there's going to be some language there. So heads up about that. But he's also extremely funny. So uh, it, it is interesting to watch. But it's also eye opening at the same time. And not again, like all of these things that we talk about with these mega uh, tech companies, not necessarily surprising. So that's uh, something I encourage you to take a look at. And I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, Wilt's talking about that <laughs> ditch in Alabama where they found all the products because it reminded me to talk about this story that I had kind of buried in my stories of the week here. That's going to do it for us. We appreciate all your calls this morning. And uh, we will be back next Wednesday at 10 a.m. with another episode of Everyday Tech. We encourage you to stay tuned. Coming up next is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart. That's coming up next right here on MPB Think Radio.